Welcome back to the Paranorm Girl podcast. I am your host, Kristen. Happy New Year, everyone. Ah, I hope everyone's holidays were awesome. I was sick. <laughs> Christmas was canceled in the Paranorm Girl household. No. I kid. I joke. I joke. Uh, Christmas was not canceled, but I would have much rather not been voiceless and burning up and just full of just snot and not very good things for my holiday. I tell you what, your body will do what it thinks is necessary when the time is right. When it thinks the time is right. (laughs) I get... I I very rarely get sick, like very rarely, like once, maybe twice a year tops. But when I do, man, it's it's like a volcano that's just been brewing and I've been quashing it down, just willing it away. And the second I get some actual downtime, bam, down for the count. But... Now, uh, as rough as my voice might still sound, uh, I'm feeling really good. I'm just, I'm ready to have an amazing 2024. And to kick it all off, you guys, I have got quite the program for you. Not too long ago, I mentioned that I was asked to guest host a very special edition of the Society for Arcane Studies podcast to speak with the one and only Alejandro Rojas. This was an incredible honor for me, and I thank Jason Cordova over at the Society for allowing me the opportunity for making that happen. It was an experience I will not soon forget. Well, for anyone who missed that first airing, with Mr. Cordova's blessing, I will be replaying that interview for you here today. Mr. Rojas hardly needs introduction, but since we kind of sort of did one for him there in the original recording, I shall once again leave it to Jason Cordova to do so momentarily. Uh, I have a couple of fun announcements to share with you guys today, which I will near the end of the show, so please do stick around following this interview. But let's go ahead and get to it. Everyone. Please enjoy this very special UFO briefing with head of research and content at Enigma Labs and board member of the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies, Mr. Alejandro Rojas. Hello and welcome to the Society for Arcane Studies podcast, formerly the Crypto Science Society podcast, show dedicated to the study of strange and unusual phenomena. I am your humble host, Jason Cordova, and I'm joined today by a very special guest host, the Paranormal Girl herself, Kristen Amanda. Would you mind saying hello? Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jason. This is uh, really exciting. I've really been looking forward to doing this with you. Yes, uh, I'm excited too. This is a very special and unique opportunity for all of us. Um, uh, If you're just joining us and you're noticing some changes, um, you are correct. You are not crazy. Uh, you have not stepped into an alternate dimension, as far as I can, as far as I am aware. Uh, as I often do, uh, I assume that is the explanation for what's going on around me. But not this time. This time, you are in the right timeline, and we have 
actually changed our name from Crypto Science Society to Society for Arcane Studies in order to distance ourselves from the unfortunate uh, reappropriation of the name crypto. Uh, still maintaining the integrity and the spirit, the interest of the idea of looking into the hidden aspects of scientific interest as we are uh, now the Society for Arcane Studies. Still the same mission, still the same intention. And uh, we are here to bring you uh, the same excellent content. And we are collaborating with um, Paranormal Girl Podcast today. And uh, we are also doing a, uh, a special guest appearance. Somebody who has been part of the society for a very long time has been a very strong influence on me and my direction in this type of research and uh, uh, our advisor general and uh, great friend to everyone, Mr. Alejandro Rojas, who we will get to in. Uh, oh, <laughs> okay. Go ahead, bring him in. Yeah, it's fine. Um, but uh, before we dive headfirst into everything, for some of the folks who may not be uh, as familiar with uh, Paranormal Go podcast and Kristen, mm -hmm. um, I want to hand it off to you for a minute to just uh, give us a little bit of background and introduce yourself and what that's all about. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm so sorry I jumped the gun on that. But hey, Alejandro. Um, yeah, no, Paranormal Girl podcast is something I have a uh, passion project I've been working on for going on almost three years now. It is a podcast for the skeptical believer. Um, I do love my science-based uh, ideas about the paranormal and uh, yeah, all right. Um, yeah, and I, I'm doing new things, uh, breaking breaking all the rules, uh, keep going with this and uh, it just keeps chugging along. Just did my first live and uh it's it's very exciting, and I get to meet and work with a lot of really cool people, such as yourselves. I've met a lot of cool people in this field. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, and that is uh, a really great. Um, it's it's great to hear you say that kind of thing because I do know there there are a lot of really good people, and in fact, we met through another uh, affiliated group, the Werewolf Radar podcast yes, is yeah, hosted by, yeah uh co-hosted by one of our former vice presidents jordan Dahl, and he uh we were both on their show and uh, that's how that all got started and um, over i've appeared on your podcast a few times where what, three times now three times yeah yeah you hold yeah. the record <laughs> that's that's quite an honor <laughs> um, and uh, through that time, uh, just listening to how you do research, you um, are definitely in line with the way that we want to uh, approach this field. And um, we formally invited you to be, become a member of the, the Society for Arcane Studies. And um, we're happy to have you as part of the group. And um, even though Heather, our uh, current vice president and usual co-host could not join us today because she is busy in the thralls of her uh, bachelor's degree. Uh, we are happy to have you, uh, 
Kristen as part of our team today and uh, join us for this very, very special interview of Alejandro Rojas. Yes. Well, thank you so much. It is such an honor. Uh, but enough about me. Alejandro. Hello. <laughs> Hi. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us My today. Pleasure. Uh, let's let's jump right in. Uh, I always like to start with just a, a little bit of introduction. Tell our audience who you are. Yeah, so my name is Alejandro Rojas. I've been a researcher, mostly writer. Well, I've done all kinds of things in this field for the last 30 years or so, 20. Now, yeah, probably coming on 30, getting old. Jason and I are getting it's closer really to old. Um, Jason, of course, is my first paranormal partner when we were, uh, when our grandma was getting into this, us into this as little kids. And, um, so, yeah, since then, you know, at the beginning, I was looking at a lot of different paranormal um, uh, topics uh, from a science perspective, for the most part. Um, and then uh, and I like to tell people, you know, when they ask how I got into this, it's really it was a mixture. When I went into college, you know, is to be a rocket scientist. I uh, physics, math was always, you know, my preference. And uh, but Jason and I also have, you know, roots in Native American and Mexican um cultures, which are more open to kind of paranormal ideas. So we love to honor that side as well and keep an open mind. And uh, that's kind of the combination of things that compelled us to spend our whole life, you know, uh, <laughs> researching these topics. Um, I eventually, you know, moved on to help out with the Mutual UFO Network uh, and work for their headquarters in Denver, which is where we're from. Um, I was their PR person for a period of time. Um, then moved on to, uh, during this time, writing for different um, outlets, including the Huffington Post. Um, I've written for the Roswell Daily Record. Um, some And uh, Den of Geek is a place where I've written quite a bit. Uh, and then also um, eventually uh, started a company called Open Minds TV. In fact, right behind me are what's left of our magazines, which we had for a period of time. Uh, we have a website where we were writing every day for 10 years, updating people on UFO news. I've ran a podcast before then and since. Um, it's been offline for a little period now, but I'll be starting up a new one soon. And then um, started up a group uh, of kind of the science-minded uh, people called the Scientific Coalition for UAP Studies. Uh, I'm a... Um, a board member there where we have a, a lot of scientists and in fact the majority of scientific papers that were coming out on this topic of, of UAP specifically were coming from us. Um, luckily that's changed where now there are a lot more scientists involved and we work with a lot of them and and uh, some of our members co-write papers with the AIAA for example or um, the Galileo project uh, which has also had a lot of papers come out this year. Um, so it's very exciting that it kind of quietly the scientific research side of this uh, stuff is burgeoning, but it is kind of quiet. It's, it's not necessarily hidden. It's just people, you can find it if you look. Um, it's just, unfortunately, most people don't look. Um, most likely they're going to click on the headline of something sensational rather than right. uh, reading a paper, a science paper, um, even though they're, they're exciting stuff, uh, in my opinion. Um, and now I work for Enigma. Uh, I'm the head of content and research there. Uh, we are, have built an app where we're collecting UAP reports at our website and our app. And, um, you know, uh, we are trying to work with the government. Um, we've had meetings with NASA and, and uh, Aero, which uh, 
we've shared publicly, even though a lot of conspiracy people are like, why are you hiding that you're, you talked <laughs> to these guys? And we're like, we're not. We're the ones who shared that information. You probably wouldn't have known it if we didn't share it. So, um, so yeah, that's what we're doing, but it's very exciting. I think we're at a time, um, you know, in my mind, if you don't mind me going there, kind of like, uh, you know, the goal prior to 2019, I would say, was to uh, gain credibility to this topic. This was a topic that wasn't being looked at. Um, I felt that, you know, even if it was all turning out to be mundane, it's it's scary to uh, have these reports coming from credible people calling up the FAA or working with the military and hearing that lots of these sort of reports are just ignored or pushed under the rug because they're too taboo to work with. Um, I feel that the FAA is still kind of in that mode. They really have not um, taken on the gauntlet as many other agencies have to take this seriously, uh, I think, which is important. And I know there it, that uh, government agencies like Arrow, the, the current government UAP project, are trying to kind of work with them to do that. But uh, the point being that, you know, we were trying to bring that credibility to the topic and not have it ignored because I thought that uh, ignoring it seemed very irrational. Um, luckily, we've gotten there. Um, but that's a shift, at least in me. Uh, and I think people have seen that and they've, they've kind of uh, wondered what that is. But, you know, when you're trying to bring credibility for a topic to get it into the New York Post or the Washington Journal or, or Washington Post or uh, any of these other, you know, major mainstream outlets, uh, credible people saying incredible things is helpful to get mm -hmm. you there. Um, but once you're there, it doesn't hold any water anymore. Um, now we have, it's already accepted that this is a, a real phenomena. Um, so hearing opinions um, doesn't really get us anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, but what does is evidence. And like I've said, a lot of people have said, oh, finally, we'll hear the truth, you know, now that this is uh, open. I felt the opposite. I, I felt that, no, now we're finally going to get to investigate because investigations have mostly happened in nonprofit organizations like ones that I've worked with, with very low resources, very little to no funding. And how much can you get done with that? I think that, you know, our community actually should be proud of what we've accomplished with very little um, but now that all of these major resources are being put to uh, looking into this, I think our goal should be to cooperate with all of these resources being put on this and try to help navigate them. And we all need to kind of focus on, you know, the scientific method. What do we need now? We need data. Um, that's what NASA is saying. That's what Arrow is saying. We need data. And with that data, we can analyze that data and then make reports and make discoveries. Some people are saying, well, the government's hiding data. Maybe, maybe not. But even if they are, um, we can sit around and debate what they may or may not know, which I think a lot of the UFO community does. But that also gets us nowhere. Mm -hmm. Whereas if we're focused on gathering data, analyzing data, that's going to get us somewhere. And that is independent of what the government does. We can go out there and, and seek answers for ourselves. Um, and that's where I am right now. So that's why I'm excited to be working on a project like I am um, and, um, other projects that are doing just that. Awesome. Well, I, I do want to ask you some more about Enigma, but you, you know, you, you brought up a, an idea. Um, it's been on my mind, this compartmentalization 
so to speak, of data mm. collection amongst all these different groups that are all working to the same purpose, but it's 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 separated. You know, it's totally separated. So with this recent. I wouldn't call it a partnership, but like this this uh, back and forth between the government and the government um, admitting, okay, yeah, yeah, there's something there. NASA's on it. We've had U.S. congressional hearing on it, Mexican congressional hearing. So they're open to the idea. It's it's on the stage. It's on their minds. But we still have all of these compartmentalized like sources of these data. How do you see us making our way like? bringing it all together is is that a possibility is that going to happen do oh, does everybody just need to start sharing and just be open and not you know keep it so tight to the chest i guess it depends on who you mean by sharing um do you mean like government entities or also ufo researchers like more so the the ufo researchers like okay move on like what you're doing with enigma like all these sources yeah. of data I think you you have a it's a great question. I think that what we're trying to do with Enigma is to bring all that data together, at least citing data, mm -hmm. um, so people can get to it. Uh, I don't know that it's. I think that uh, we're working on being able to share data more easily, um, and I think that uh, other groups also have that struggle. Um, you know, what's interesting is, is some groups don't new fork, for example, uh, it's kind of a balance. They have not a lot of data per sighting, um, which hampers kind of the, the analysis, but at the same time, they make it all readily available. So it's easy to access. Um, so we see a lot of it. Uh, so I think it's a little bit of all of those things. I think that data sources are available. I think you know, to be honest, I think like what we're doing at SEU is a perfect example. Um, any good researcher is going to re rely on the uh, data that's available um, and then take that data and and do their analysis. And, you know, luckily, uh, especially our board has decades of research in this topic. So we know a lot and we work a lot of with the old school researchers and, and data collectors. So we know where that data is. And um, so just being able to get to that data and use that data is, is, is enough mm -hmm. to do research and to share that research. So I think that the thing is, uh, what it comes down to is a scientific process that you do your research, you write a paper, you get that out there to um, other researchers to beat it up, to, you know, do their best to debunk it or um, what you should have already done yourself. Um, right. And I think that's kind of something, another point of contention with a lot of UFO researchers is that, you know, people like myself may come across as very skeptical um, and coming down on things, but we have to police ourselves. The scientific process, you know, before you release your paper, you have to prove the null hypothesis, which is that, you know, you're wrong, that what you're hypothesizing is not the truth. So you have to be your, your own best critic. And the advantage of that, if you do a good job with that, is when you do float it out there then in the public, that they're not going to be able to find anything you haven't already um, found that may be an issue or, or that you haven't addressed as a possibility. Um, and, you know, even when it does go out there, legit criticism then helps your paper become stronger as well. If you're open to that and say, hey, you know what, you're right. I didn't look at that. Let me examine that and see where that, that goes um, and have that back and forth. 
that's what's really important. But it is important that everybody understands the rules too. Mm -hmm. And that's why um, scientists and people who have written papers are the most um, valuable when it comes to that because they've been trained to understand the rules and how that works. And science is not something that everybody can comprehend or get why the rules are the way they are. Why does it take so long? Why is it so rigorous? Um, but you know, I think that's the process that has to happen. And I think that's working pretty well because uh, at least in the scientific community, they understand like what is credible information and where to go. Um, on the other hand, you know, some of the new organizations are just learning. And, and what I mean by that is I think it was um, it was a think tank and I can't remember which one right now. I think it was Battelle uh, wrote a paper recently where they did an analysis of UFO reports and they said a lot of them were about around military, um, but they didn't, um, you know, estimate reports per capita. And that's really taints your data. And one reason mm -hmm. because uh, you'll find that there are more sightings where there are more people, and that seems intuitive. Um, so it very much correlates with population. Um, so in order to really find the hot spots, so you know, you'll see these stories. California is a hot spot. New York's a hot spot. They're not hot spots. There's just more people in those areas. But when you look at per capita, that's when you can really start to find out where the hot spots are. And you see, uh, largely the Southwest is a hot spot. And personally, and I think. Uh, I think that makes sense just because we have sunnier skies out here. We have, we're outside more often in the Southwest. Um, you know, um, I'm in Arizona right now, but usually in San Diego and, you know, we're outside all the time. So it would make sense that people would have more sightings in, in those kind of areas. So you have to factor in that a, a lot of that sort of data. And some of these people are just getting into it, just don't know some of the lessons that have been learned by other researchers in the past. And that's where, you know, it makes it uh, helpful for us to reach out to some of these organizations and say, hey, here's what we've learned in our research. Um, and I've I found that if you reach out uh, with a genuine interest of, you know, cooperation, that you'll get listened to. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, of course, a lot of people in the UFO community get frustrated because, you know, they're telling people, you're not paying attention to, you know, my alien experience and, and coming at people kind of attacking them right off the bat. And of course, you're not going to get a positive response if that's your stance. And to be honest, even at this point, if you come with something that's a little too fringe, you're probably not going to get a response. So, you know, we have to baby step people into this, but the great thing is, uh, right now is that the door's open. And that's what we really need to take advantage of. Now that the door's open, we need to take advantage of being able to shake hands and cooperate and work together rather than trying to use that open door to really criticize and get your, you know, your, your, uh, your jabs in there. Um, that'll just help close the door again. And I would say that the door is slowly closing at this point. Um, I think credibility has been lost in the mainstream and we've got to gain that back. Um, and so hopefully we will. You just you just veered hard left there for me. <laughs> so you're saying yeah. now, like with with the recent uh, forward motion and, and, and the 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 I don't know how to how to say it, like breaking of stigma almost because the government was accepting. Are you saying now the door is kind of slowly closing now? Like, like we're kind of missing I think our that, I wouldn't say necessarily with government but it started it started definitely with media and other mainstream kind of areas and the issue is really the grush 
uh, claims um, just because, you know, so far we've had credible witnesses coming forward with um, evidence to back up what they're claiming, such mm -hmm. as Navy with uh, Navy pilots being able to have the Navy themselves say, we acknowledge that these were unidentified objects and here are some vid and, you know, acknowledging the videos which support those. So, you know, that's really important. That's um, demonstrating an understanding of how you uh, vet a case or a situation. Um, however, when you come forward with someone making claims without any evidence to back up those claims, especially when they're secondhand and they're not firsthand, you know, for most people, they're just thinking, and I, this is, I work with a lot of mainstream media and a lot of them are just kind of throwing up their hands and saying, this is what I thought you guys were all about. And here you are going back to this, you know, extraordinary claims with absolutely no evidence to support it. You're just a bunch of nutcases like we thought who don't get, you know, how you verify data. And um, there's a lot of frustration in that. And so there's a lot of people who have felt duped and we've heard, you know, on even some major podcasts, um, some of the scientists that have been into this topic lately say, I feel duped. I feel very frustrated at the UFO community, like I was tricked. Um, and it's unfortunate that they feel like that. And it's unfortunate that, you know, um, you know, that more of the leaders in this field don't understand that. Um, you know, sometimes you need to sacrifice clicks for truth and mm -hmm. for patience. Um, and, uh, and, you know, there is something to, I think, the idea that uh, a lot of times people are, are basing their livelihoods off of this. So they can't take a downturn in clicks or it's going to be a financial struggle. But, um, you know, at least for me, I've recognized that um, I could definitely uh, do more television or sensational type of stuff and maybe get in front of the public a lot more. But I would rather do the science to figure out actual answers in this field. And if you're going to do that, then that's a very niche kind of corner of this world that's not going to get as much attention. Um, but that's fine mm -hmm. because this is where the real answers are going to come from. And that's what I'm excited about is trying to at least uh, take full advantage of this period of time of credibility um, so that if the door closes completely, which is entirely possible, that uh, we've at least grown our community of serious researchers and, um, you know, are moving forward with our own work um, should that happen in the future. And I think that uh, this idea that the door can't close, which I, I think is even the UFO community starting to realize, uh-oh, maybe um, this wow. isn't all going to come out like I thought it was, um, that uh, um, I think they're starting to real be in that area. And, you know, you saw a slowdown even yeah. uh, in some of these recent um, revelations that have come, such as the IG saying that they're not doing an investigation. Um, you know, Kirkpatrick and NASA saying we haven't found anything and we have looked at these claims. Um, you know, um, those where the UFO community was under this impression that there is some kind of watershed moment coming. And uh, I think it's unfortunate, first of all, that they were led to that impression. But second of all, that, uh, you know, we need to take full advantage of what we've got right now. And, um, and that's doable. So, I mean, there's there's always a silver lining. 
Right, right. You know, it, I I see what you're saying. It was uh, like a lot of people put the cart before the horse mm-hmm. a little bit, and it's hard to um, accept with with the recent revelations from folks like Grush and you know Fravor and Graves, and then this this kind of rumor, I guess, I guess it's a rumor that there were all these other whistleblowers or, or people like Nell or Jonathan Gray, like, you know, that, that it, that it would close again. Like it just seemed like this rush of information and possibility. And now to, to kind of feel that slow down and like, oh, we're, we're really not going to go anywhere. Jason, did you want to, did you want to jump in and add to the <laughs> conversation there? You thinking, buddy. I mean, I do, uh, uh, I'd like to hear just a uh, yeah, short sure, take the response, but then yeah, I mean I have some follow up questions about some of the conversation uh, that's come up so far. So however we want to roll with that. Yeah, I don't know. I saw some of your questions in here, um, and I think some of our uh, you know I'd like to address because I think that uh, so for example your last question was should the government be the final authority on UAP research I think that's another great question because they're not the scientific community is um, I think and they will be and the scientific community does not take everything that the Defense Department says to at face value you know Let's say the the DOD came out and said, hey, we found out everything Greshed was was true. The scientific community is going to say, yeah, right, prove it. Um, and if they can't prove it to their satisfaction, the scientific community won't believe it. But luckily, you know, I think they will be motivated to try to look at that data and verify it or or not. Um, you know, uh, even you know, one of the scientists, right, pretty much the main scientist that is out there talking about this stuff, Dr. Eric Davis, who works for the Aerospace Corporation now and is a physicist that worked with Bigelow um, and others, uh, you know, he's one of the people I think that's being referenced in all of this and and having knowledge. I interviewed him and he shared the knowledge that he had with me. And it was one of the first times he had ever done that. But one of the things that he talked about was that, you know, in black projects, it's very difficult to do real science because anybody working on the project has to be read in. So you've got a very small amount of people. And if you have an expert, which is what science is all about, hey, you know, I found out that there's this chemical that's interacting with another chemical here. I know the expert on this chemical reaction is Dr. So-and-so from this university, and I want to talk to him about it. I first have to get him cleared. Then he has to get read into the project. And then we can have a meeting and he can say, oh, yeah, you just got to change this X to a Y. Oh, thank you. And then, you know, the meeting's done. Meanwhile, the government spend tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to clear that scientist. Months, if not a year has gone by for that clearance to happen. You know, it's just very difficult to do science that way. Um, so uh, having that kind of testimony from people who do science and uh, the DOD uh, and SAPs or black projects, then, you know, um, the science can be in question, um, when it comes to some of these things. So, um, or whatever level of science, sometimes there's more of an intelligence analysis that comes to a conclusion and intelligence is not close to as rigorous as science. And there's a lot of gut work 
that happens with intelligence. Um, and it's intelligence agencies notoriously get very important things wrong on a regular basis. So um, these are kind of all of the factors. So I don't think that uh, government would be the final authority, and I don't think the public would. I think science would be um, for the official uh, authority. However, you know, this is one of the hard parts with this topic is that I don't think the public will ever be satisfied. There's a lot of people have that have set worldviews. And unless you're going to verify what they already feel they believe, then they're not going to accept your um, analysis or what you come up with anyway. So that's a really hard part. A lot of people have, uh, there's been a rumor that there'll be a new head of Arrow um, soon. And people have said, oh, Christopher Mellon, who's one of the guys behind the scenes who really got us where we are. You know, he was a great, um, and he's got a background as, I'm probably going to say it wrong, but like a deputy defense. Deputy Assistant Intelligence Defense Director. I forget totally what it was, but essentially his job was like beefing Congress on SAPs. Um, so he's very knowledgeable on that level and, you know, was able to navigate things and get us here. Um, people say he should, he should take that role. But I would see the UFO community turning on him in a heartbeat the first time he has a report and they're not satisfied with that report. A well, lot of you, the UFO community complaints about the first intelligence report and that was written by dr travis taylor who's on skinwalker you know tv show who's one of their heroes um yet there's there's this kind of really this is cognitive di cognitive dissonance when you're like this guy knows at all he he's in the, the loop and then on the other hand saying oh this report is all bs and it, it's all lies you, both can't be true um and I've talked to Dr. Travis Taylor, and of course, he feels that that report was great. And I personally also feel that that report was very important and groundbreaking and helpful for the community. But sorry, Jason, you had a question? You use an acronym, SAP? SAP, so a special access uh, program, which is the technical term for a Black project. Mm -hmm. And to clarify, to uh, it was Christopher Mellon's uh, former job was a... Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence. Perfect. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of Arrow and these, some of the kind of pitfalls that come up with that, where do you put them in kind of the category of these? Uh, are, are they in with those new groups that are doing research and kind of missing, missing some of those marks? Or are they something else? I would say, <laughs> um, it's hard to say. It's hard to check their work when we don't see their work. Um, so that's what makes it difficult. Uh, you know, we did see a little bit of their work when um, Kirkpatrick wrote a paper with Dr. Abby Loeb, um, and that paper got a lot of criticism, and uh, surprisingly, because it seemed too open to UFOs. In it, they had discussed the possibility of a mothership that had probes, mothership out in space that maybe was dropping probes and those probes were coming out around and buzzing us. But what they, the problem I felt with the paper was that um, it was actually a good paper, but very few could understand the purpose of the paper. Um, and you had to be kind of in this science conversation with UAP at the time. And what they were essentially trying to say is, hey, for those of you who are UFO believers, um, you can't just say that the laws of physics are being broken with UAP cases. You have to prove it. 
Um, and not only that, there are situations where it could be um, extraterrestrial, but it's still not breaking the laws of physics as we know it. And that's where they came up with the scenario of the mothership and the drones um, as an example. Um, that's what they were trying to say. Um, but they were also trying to say with that scenario that, hey, for you skeptics, you also have to keep an open mind because we don't know what the answer is. And the answer could be that mothership with the drones. So, I mean, um, it was trying to say, speak to both sides. And I, ha I think it had a very important purpose to, to, for everybody to keep an open mind and for everybody to do good work and good science. And I think that's a good message. But that message got lost, especially when the media just honed in on, you know, the government saying there's possibly a mothership dropping drones out there. So the message just totally got lost. But that was important. So for that's an example of, I think, what was an important message. But, you know, I think maybe their strong suit wasn't delivering that message. So it didn't come across. Um, but that, you know, we haven't seen a lot of their work. So I, I'm hopeful that their work uh, will be good. It probably is. I think that um, some people question, um, you know, how thorough it is on both sides. So, for instance, the video that they released of uh, the metallic orb has been potentially debunked. Uh, I know Chris Mellon had felt that uh, it was sufficiently debunked um, by a group of skeptics, Bellingcat, I think their name. Um, and this is the, you're referring to the video that uh, is an overhead drone camera of correct. the metallic orb objects uh, moving correct. around some buildings in the desert. Right. And you can see that on their website. They had uh, listed as an unknown. They didn't know what it was. But analysts said, well, it seems to clearly fit into the category of balloon. Um, so on one hand, there's that. Uh, how thorough was their investigation? How did they miss that? Uh, maybe that investigation was prior to Arrow because, of course, there was a UAP task force before them. Um, then on the other hand, though, uh, when they're kind of making certain claims, you know, some have criticized, well, how can you make that claim without having a criteria. So in other words, um, what is a criteria for naming something as unidentified? Um, what level of data do you need to be able to make that determination? Um, you know, and should you be claiming this or that without having set those kind of parameters first? So, um, and those are the type of, type of things that, of course, you know, we discuss out here and have been for years in the, the scientific community looking into this. So I think they can still learn. But uh, on the other hand, you know, I understand their struggle in trying to find out who can I trust out here? You know, um, it, it goes the trust thing goes both ways because there are certainly and I think everybody can agree in the UFO community, people in the UFO community who are very well known and have large followings who are sharing less than than credible or, or good information. Um, they're sharing bad information. And if you were to come into this from the outside, you wouldn't know that unless you've been in the community for a long time. And then, um, you know, because I've had people joke uh, to me about this. Um, luckily, I have people who can can speak for for me um but uh i've had people joke well how can i tell you know all of you guys come up to me and say you're credible and you've got the best information how do i know you're better than the next guy 
And it's true. You don't. It's, it's hard to know. You're just going to have to look at my work um, and speak to people who will vouch for me. Um, so it, it's really hard to navigate that. And so um, I think we all also have to have patience. It's not like Arrow, you know, here's an example. The Nimitz paper uh, that the SCU put out, that is kind of the only analysis of the case out there that um, tries to scientifically analyze the um, nature of the object that was seen. Um, that is witness, available for public consumption. Witness. Yeah. So uh, 2004 Nimitz off the coast of San Diego, um, the big one that, uh, uh, but that paper took a couple years to write, you know, that's one paper. So expecting Arrow to have very many answers in within a year or two is, is asking a lot. I think that, uh, right. They're also in the middle of getting money and then setting up their infrastructure. So there's a lot that has to be done to, we'll see, revel you know, I think a lot of revelations coming there, but at the same time, uh, I don't think we need to be complacent. I think we need to head forward. We don't know the future of Arrow. We don't know if their funding will continue. We don't know what's going to happen there. We don't know. Um, but So we have to uh, make sure we maintain control and we keep moving forward. Because, again, no matter what they come up with, it'll meet, need to be verified by the scientific community. You know, as it stands right now, currently, um, I think I, I read in a recent interview with Spurgel, who was saying that Arrow had investigated somewhere around 800 cases to date, and still only one to two percent is found interesting. That's what's left on the table is interesting. Do you think Kirkpatrick, and this might be a divisive thing because I, th I think a lot of people have, you know, emotional reactions about it, mm -hmm. but do you think he's being properly open-minded? I know he's a very logical, analytical, science-based person, but is is he enough with the open-mindedness? I think that with this sort of thing, we always need to look at the glass half full or a quarter full or a tenth full or one percent full in this case, one or two percent <laughs> full, because that means the door's open. Um, yeah. I would say, look at Japan. Japan uh, out of France is a UFO organization started in the 70s that exists to this day. It's under their version of NASA, the CNES. Uh, Jacques Vallée actually had something to do with helping um motivate the French government to help uh, to create this department along with um, a CNES scientist who was well respected. That scientist essentially looked at the Condon report and said, what is this UFO stuff all about? You know, and he said, this is a report that proves there's something going on. So that motivated them to start this. If you go to their website, um, you can look at it in English, and they have all of their data available. In fact, on the front page, they have their numbers available, and they have a couple categories for unidentifieds. One is not enough information, and one is unidentified. And I think that's what um, I think that's a good model for um, Kirkpatrick to uh, adopt. But it, uh, it it's along the lines with them. They have 3% that are truly unidentified, whereas the majority, you know, another something like 15, 20% is not enough information. And that's what Kirkpatrick is trying to say is in a lot of these, there's just not enough information, um, which is totally legit because the bar to prove something is unidentified is pretty high. 
Um, and in a lot of cases, we just don't have enough information. Even some of our favorite cases, uh, we don't have enough information to be able to be definitive. Um, so I think that's fair. I, I think that what we need to look at, what's awesome is that they're they're saying it's 100% bogus. They're saying that there are some cases that are legit because when you're talking about thousands of cases a year, um, you know, 1% is a pretty big number. Yeah. Um, of legit cases. Um, and you know, this also puts me back to blue book because I really think that that data is valuable and they should be looking at that data. And I hope that they do. Um, because those are 700 cases that were, uh, classified as unidentified. And throughout the years, those cases were debunked over and over again. So these 700 cases were able to survive several waves of being re-examined from a perspective of trying to debunk them and get them off the books. And they weren't able to do it. And when you look at those cases, they're very credible cases with usually multiple military witnesses, multiple law enforcement witnesses, jets being scrambled in many cases. So I think that's and good data. what is data. that percentage now? What's that? that what is that what percentage? percentage? I think that percentage was around 20%, actually, which is a high oh. number. Um, which oh, is really interesting, uh, but I, it would make sense because they were mostly military cases. So, you know, as time goes on, we'll see. Um, and, uh, but we do of course have better instrumentation. Um, and they are, and I think this is what's really helpful, you know, coordinating and calibrating their instrumentation to be able to capture these things, um, which will help with, uh, that data gathering, um, so, uh, yeah, I don't necessarily yet see a problem with that, but we'll have to see going forward. Yeah, well, on the data gathering, before we close this interview, I, I wanted to give uh, a couple of minutes spotlight to Enigma, because that's mm. what y'all are about. Would you describe for our audience the vision of Enigma and, and, and what you guys do? Yeah, essentially the vision um, was to gather data, gather sighting reports, um, try to use AI to filter those reports um, and give us more information about those reports and to assist us in gather, gathering and cataloging or categorizing uh, those reports um, so that that data can be used in research to figure out more about UAP. So that's the goal. Um, and we've got the app up. It is definitely a work in progress. We're getting more um, features added to it. Um, and I think that's where people are going to really start to see some of the value. So for instance, um, if you use the app, um, let me show you right here. This is pretty cool. Um, if you open up the app, and I think some of these we're still testing, so we're not really advertising them uh, a bunch yet. But if you open up the app, um, first, if you go to this first tab, you'll see some of our best videos. And of course, you know, some of them people will be able to say, oh, I know what that is. I know what that is. These are pre-investigation. So they're just the kind of thing that people are reporting. And if you do know what it is, please comment because we are inviting people to comment and say, hey, I know what that is and put it in there. But what's cool is in our um, camera, even now, what's kind of cool is you'll see some of the telemetry that it can gather, like where your location is, your altitude. Uh, the direction that you're pointing the camera so you can have that information available. Oh, I was looking from the Northwest or I was looking at 300 degrees. But if you click this identify tab, it's really cool because you'll see all these white dots. And then if you put the little circle over the white dots, you'll see what it is. 
And right now, all those white dots, those are satellites. Um, and we're adding more information into that, like aircraft and other uh, uh, like um, astral type of objects and things like that. So that, you know, you can go to that identify camera and see, you know, am I looking at a satellite? Am I looking at a plane? Am I looking at um, a, a planet? And you'll be able to quickly see, oh, that was Saturn. Oh, that was Jupiter. Or, oh, that's an aircraft. And so you'll know that's not a UAP, so you won't report it. Um, to, so we're coming up with as many ways as possible to enhance the data. So the data we have is the best data available um, because the better the data, the, you know, the more we're going to be able to discover. Um, so that's all the stuff that we're working on. It, it's pretty exciting. Um, and uh, it, it's taking time to develop. It's a lot of work. It's a huge uh, effort. But, um, you know, we're moving forward all the time on it. Um, so, yeah, so it's a lot of fun. Yeah, massive work uh, uh, that you guys are doing there. It's it's just incredibly cool. I find that so cool. I did download the app yesterday. I was exploring it, and you can see all the numbers for the areas, and it's just it's just really neat. Is it and available? A lot of the big cases. Yes, yes. And is it available on Android? Because I heard you say it wasn't yet available in a past interview, so I wanted to see. That is true. It's not yet available on Android. It's something we're working very hard on. Um, hopefully we'll have that, uh, you know, very soon, um, early in the next year. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're working on Android. We do have, of course, a website where you can submit as well. Um, really the website though is more for submission than viewing, but, um, when you do submit, we do have, you know, the AI scrape it, and then we have a human look at it too because we don't want to approve hoaxes or other things that don't fit into what we're looking at. Um, but when it's approved, you'll get a notification that it's approved and you'll get a link. And that link will show you your sighting on the website or on the app if you have that on your phone. Right on. Well, um, yeah, so glad to talk about Enigma. Uh, we'll, we'll, of course, put all of the, uh, you know, the website and how to access that app in the show notes for this show. Um, I, I really only had one more question before we let you go. And then Jason, if you want to add on to it. So for the future, 2023 was an incredibly exciting year for UAP. It was hard to keep up. What mm -hmm. do you do you expect 2024 at least to follow suit or are we already it's 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 going to close and it's going to close real quick? We'll see. It depends on, I guess, a lot of different factors. Um, but the number one thing I think it will depend on it. And, you know, what's closing the doors is the vitriol, the high level of negativity. You heard the NASA panel even say that that I think they even opened with this when they did their first public uh, uh, panel where they said, we've gotten an inordinate amount of abuse um, online for our members yeah. and uh, we don't appreciate it and it's not helpful and it's not. And I think that that's the complete wrong approach. I think we need to open our arms and be helpful. Even if you disagree with someone, yelling and screaming at them that they're awful and they're they're worthless is not going to get you anywhere um but opening your arms and talking to people and being um level-headed will and you know sometimes I'm, some of the scientists can be snarky too and dismissive but you know what they listen they really do because in the end they are you know um um 
believers in science and, and truth. And if you can show them facts and data, they're going to look at that facts and data. Um, there was an article that I, you know, shared on my social, on my social media. Of course, you could see my link right there. I share news all the time where one of the NASA panelists uh, in San Diego was speaking very highly of the UAP topic and, and excited about, you know, the more research going on and the more research that can happen. So to assume that, you know, there are bad guys here or there. And I think that's the, the hard part is there a lot of people are looking to view people as enemies. Oh, they don't believe this. They don't believe that. They're on the, the opposite side. Nobody's on the opposite side. We're all on the same side and we need to remember that we need to treat each other uh, respectfully and with patience. And um, that's what's really going to be the most effective. If we can approach some of these groups and say, hey, you know, thank you very much for keeping an open mind. Here's some things I think you should look at. Um, I'm a supporter or I'm a constituent and I really support that you're doing this and, and I want to thank you. That's going to go miles and miles. That's going to go really far because what's driving Congress, not to be cynical, but it's, you know, the way the world works is politics. And they see that there's a lot of people interested in this. So they're going to do what they can to garner, you know, which is part of their job to represent their constituents. Um, so let them know that this is what you want them to do. But I would, again, you're going to attract more, you know, uh, that you're going to come across better and you're going to be listened to more if you come across in a more rational, positive manner than in the way that people are expecting and a kind of irrational rant, um, you know, which is kind of like uh, how they see this kind of stuff. So I think that uh, it's unfortunate. I think a lot of the community has gone the really um, rhetorical kind of bashing direction, uh, which is kind of unfortunately how media has kind of been, you know, the last few years and gone in social media. But I hope that turns around because that's what's going to really help. And uh, uh, including the media, you know, contacting them, giving them information, local media, local media does wonders because those local media articles often go viral nationally. Um, and so finding friendlies in the local area, which, you know, Jason and I have a lot of experience in finding local media that is, that is friendly to your topic. And then they cover you a lot in a positive manner. Um, and, uh, that goes a very long way. So, you know, keep it positive and keep it cooperative and, uh, and it not only is makes it more delightful for yourself and more positive to be working on this kind of stuff, but it's also going to gain you more um, results. I love that. Jason, did you have anything you wanted to throw in there? Mm, I can't really think of anything other than, you know, it's it's been a long road, right? Like these are conversations that we never uh, really legitimately expected to be having 10 years ago, right? Like I keep yeah. reflecting to that, the first, um, you know, those are uh, some of the first time sitting in the MUFON meetings, right? I'm thinking we're just like, okay, here we are. I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, let's get, get deeper. And we have, we have, we really have. Um, so I, I think what would maybe, what would be, what would you like What's what's the fantasy? Like we used to think like it's you know, disclosure is the end all be all. But reality now it's a little more nuanced than that, right? So what do you think would be the ultimate uh like the best case scenario that would be out the outcome 
of these types of studies? Um, the truth, I think whatever is going on and I, you know, um, I'm not married to, uh, an outcome. Um, and it's partially because it's a couple of reasons. It's one, um, you shouldn't as a researcher or a journalist, um, because then you're going to bias yourself and you're going to taint and possibly taint your research and your story. And that professionally, you don't want to do that. Um, of course people do, but it does hinder their work. Um, second, um, is that, uh, oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, oh, and coming up with the, the answers. Second is that um, whatever the answers are, they're going to add to science. There's things out there we don't know. Even ball lightning has not been proven scientifically. If we prove that, that's a novel scientific discovery, weather phenomena, other things that are going on out there. But of course, there's a lot that can't be explained that is really weird. Um, and the possible answers are really exciting and we can do nothing but learn from those answers. So I think what I really hope is that we learn together. Uh, my idea was that would that NASA would be part of that, that they would have uh, be a large part of doing, you know, transparent scientific uh, research around this topic. But that also in the public, we kind of um, continue to um, create cohesive groups that do this as well. Um, because there needs to be checks and balances and, and, you know, that's what science is about as well is having as much diversity, check the work to make sure the work's as good as possible. So I think all of those things that just cooperation and working together, um, but working to gather data and, and analyze that data, we're going to make discoveries, period. It's going to happen. That's how science works and science comes up with discoveries. And often, especially in astrophysics and, and, uh, um, and, a lot of, you know, um, more mysterious sort of topics, the discoveries we make, we never could have imagined we were going to find these things. Never could have imagined on a regular basis, if not weekly, maybe daily basis, we're making discoveries where we, we weren't even speculating that this could be the case. So that's going to happen. So as much as we're speculating as we do, that's another reason why not to get set on an answer because we're also going to make discoveries we never could have even guessed would have been the case. And that to me is extremely exciting. And so we keep doing this work and I'm, I'm confident that those discoveries will happen. Yes. Cohesion, work together, call each other on our BS. We are all <laughs> in this together, you guys. All right. Well, uh, that's all I had, Jason. Is that it for you? All right. Well, yeah, that's pretty much all I had. Thank you so much for both of you uh, for coming on the show today, this very special uh, special event, special episode. Hopefully, we'll be able to put out some more here in the near future. Um, but if we don't, don't go wandering too far. We'll be back eventually. Um, uh, in the meantime, though, just keep in mind that this podcast is written and produced by the Society for Arcane Studies and its members. The theme music is Dead Bats on a Wire by Savannah Rivka and Ashley Eve. Graphic design by Heather Jane Medcalf. And if you like what we do, please consider buying some of our official merchandise. Uh, the Society for Arcane Studies has some official merchandise. You can find it uh, and links to our blog and socials by going to our link tree at Paracryphology. And 
Let us know what you think in the comments and email us with any feedback or questions you may have at CryptoSciencesocietyX at gmail.com. And please do what you can to like, share, subscribe. And until next time, keep questioning. Thank you to Jason Cordova and the Society for Arcane Studies for making this conversation a reality. And of course, thank you to Alejandro Rojas for joining us and being so gracious with your time and experience. All pertinent links can be found in the show notes, you guys. Uh, listeners, please check out the app for Enigma Labs. It is very user-friendly and uh I get some really interesting notifications for sightings taking place everywhere. It is good to feel on top of the situation taking place in our skies. And trust, it is really happening. There is something taking place. It would be in everyone's best interest to believe your own eyes and also to become aware and as knowledgeable as possible about it. ASAP. Remember. We got to come together. Got to work together. Enigma Labs is a good place to start your search for more information. They are doing some outstanding work over there. All right. Very quickly, before we wrap, I got those fun announcements to share with you guys. Um, do y'all remember in episode 100, I shared with you a little snippet of my manifesting process. One thing that I tossed out to the universe was a plea for some help. <laughs> Guess what? Your girl's got some help. Ask and you shall receive, baby. M. Bowler, digital marketer and owner of Hindsight Photography, LLC, has come on board. This lovely human being is going to be lending her amazing skills where I need help the most these days social media. I couldn't be more thrilled. So if you follow on any of the socials, you may notice a, a little flavor change, a little flair. Uh, that's M. All of the regular boring stuff. That's, that's probably still me. But keep your eyes out for some fun new posts and photos. That's right. We recently did a photo shoot. I had so much fun. She is... She is one of the most talented photographers I have ever worked with. I've worked with a lot of photographers, so that's saying a lot. Um, so anyway, you will be seeing some of those shots throughout the year. Um, I am including a link to the Hindsight Photography Facebook page in the show notes today and moving forward. She is part of the team after all. So go check out her work, give her a like and follow. And listeners, she will travel. Hint, hint. Um, next up, I got a shout out, friend of the show, David Aguilar. So I met David on Facebook a couple months back. He began listening to the show just last month and has been so wonderfully kind and supportive. Mr. David loved what he was hearing and wanted to contribute to the show's success. He made a $20 donation via the show's hosting site just last week. And we, I know I can officially say we now, we here at Paranorm Girl are so appreciative for the support. 
whether it's support via the Patreon, buy me a coffee, or a direct contribution directly through my portal on Red Circle, it all goes to good use. For instance, I have been needing to replace and upgrade the headphones that I have been using since the start. And I was able to recently do so with the help of my subscribers. Yay! And it's no small thing either. You know, it makes a world of difference to be able to hear out of both sides of your headphones at all times and not just sometimes. Don't know if you guys knew that. Um, it sure does make a difference. So thank you to David for your contribution. Thank you for your ongoing support of the show. Very much appreciated, my friend. All right. Final announcement. It's quick, but exciting. I just purchased my ticket to Squatch Fest, Woo! which takes place at the end of this month over on the west side around the Longview, Kelso, Washington area. I will be there, bar any surprise blizzards or deep snow drifts that keep me from making it over to the west side. Oh, I am so looking forward to meeting more folks in the Bigfoot field, and I am definitely looking forward to meeting any listeners who uh, are also able to make it out. With that, please follow the show on all socials and YouTube at Paranorm Girl Pod. If you enjoy what I do here, I promise there is a way to show your approval wherever you are listening or watching. Rate five stars, give it a thumbs up, leave a glowing review. And if you really enjoy the show, I bet those nearest and dearest to you might as well. So don't forget to tell a friend. That is a wrap for today. I will catch you all back here next week. Stay safe, keep the nightlight on, and sleep with one eye open. <laughs>